Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Today, we're closing out our series, Songs for the Season. With this series, we have simply been saying, what songs do we need to be singing to get us through the season that we find ourselves in? Why? Because songs are powerful, right? Songs get you through certain seasons. I wonder if you have a song that got you through a certain season. If, if so, put it in the comment section for us. Maybe it was a love song. Maybe it was an inspiring song. Maybe it was a soundtrack to a certain film. Whatever song has gotten you through a season, put it in the comment section. We would love to, to see that. And within the Bible, there is, there is a collection of songs in the book of Psalms. 150 songs in this book where, where these were songs written by and for God's people to get them through seasons that they went through, seasons of disunity, lament, blessing, crisis, turmoil, and confusion, a lot like the season we find ourselves in in this country. And we have used psalms to talk to you about certain songs that we think we need to be singing in this season. We've talked about the song of unity, the song of lament, the song of hope, and the song of praise. And to conclude our series today, I want to talk to you about the song of repentance. The song of repentance. Now you might say, dang, John, like we're really closing this thing out with a big downer, right? It's like, you know, song of praise. We should have just ended there. And now you're going to talk about the song of repentance. And really hang, hang, hang with me here, because honestly, I sincerely believe this song today is going to encourage you and strengthen you, and we're going to finish out strong. But to kind of start off today, I think it's important that we see this word repent or repentance has been jaded and hijacked by our culture. Honestly, think, think about it. Whenever you see or hear the word repent, I don't know ab- about you, but what I typically gravitate towards is seeing a guy with a bullhorn on the corner of, of some gas station standing out with a bullhorn holding up a sign saying, repent for the end is near, right? Is this kind of like, we just think it's like, okay, turn or burn and, and, and really within the church, I don't think we have a right understanding of the gift that repentance and that word repent is. And here's the thing, right? We, we've got to flesh that out of our systems and get a God-ordained, a God-minded view of what repentance is because the concept of repentance in scripture is so much more than just feeling bad, right? I think sometimes we, we can think that whenever you, you repent, you, you just, you feel bad. And, and really, unfortunately, what I think that that does is it, is it basically keeps us going around with this mentality of I'm a terrible person, I suck, God, God doesn't love, love me, where, like I said, repentance of what we see in scripture is actually 
is actually a gift and is central to the gospel message. And we see this in Jesus's ministry. We can see one of the first things that Jesus came on the scene saying, and you can actually see it in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, Matthew writes this. He said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The gospel writer Luke says this. He says this. This is is Jesus talking here. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to to repentance. And Paul continues this theme. Whenever he was writing the book of Romans in chapter two, he actually says that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It is God's kindness. But the truth is this, right? Like what actually is repentance? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. But what is repentance? Repent, if you break that, if you break that word down in scripture, it actually means to change the way you think. It's actually a breakdown of the Greek word meta new. Meta, it simply means change. New is your mind. It's a change of mind, but also too, that word has the, connot- the connotation of rethinking. Basically saying, you need to rethink things according to what God's standard is now. And just think about it, right? When Jesus was saying, repent, essentially what, 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 essentially what he was saying was, is y'all look, you need to rethink everything according to what I am now living, telling, and showing you now since I represent God. So really, I think we can break repentance down to this here. It is as you rethink in in your mind, you then turn and go in a different direction. It It is a change of the way you think, which in turn leads to a change in direction in the way you live. Repent is not just feeling base, it's also very practical. And I think within our church, many times we've broken it down just to be a feeling instead of something we practically do. It's something that we sense and feel. We feel remorse inside of us, but that remorse many times doesn't turn into a changed life. It just simply is a feeling. And what I think that you've got to see today is that repentance is a feeling, yes, but also too, it's it's also a changing in the direction. And why I think this song is so important right now, why, why I feel like, you know, we needed to choose this song right now is because uh, people are turning. People are turning to self-medication, self-harm, politics, hatred, and they're being flooded with the tsunami that culture is. Like, cult, like culture is just, It is a tsunami and it's trying to get you to turn to its ways and follow its ways. And Jesus came on the scene. He said, y'all look, y'all need to rethink because you're being flooded with all of these thoughts, the culture and all these people that are godless are trying to, to turn you towards turn. Like come back, change the way you think and then in turn change the way you live. And that's why I feel right now, this could be one of the greatest gifts that God could offer to us is this gift of repentance, of changing the way we think, to see things from his viewpoint so in turn we can change the way we live and change our lives. So, so the psalm today that we're going to actually check out is Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51. We don't have time to go through the whole psalm, 
So, so, so we're going to pick and choose a few verses here, but at the same time, I, w- I want to give you the context for what Psalm 51 is. Psalm 51 is the Psalm of David, and David finds himself here in a complete mess, flat-out mess. Here are just some kind of like details here, right? David, he sees, you know, David's king. He's got this great balcony. He goes out on his balcony at the time when he should have been out fighting, right? The scripture says that, 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 that at the time the kings go to war, David stayed home. And David, he went out on his balcony and he saw a woman bathing. And David got the, you know, David got the itch and he was like, yo, go and get that woman and bring her to, and bring her to me. I want her. He slept with her. She got pregnant. David found out that she was the wife of one of his mighty generals. And then he was like, oh, stink. I need to get him killed so he won't kill me. So David puts him on the front line and has him killed. David lies about the, the, whole, the whole thing. But throughout this whole time, the prophet, God's prophet, came to him and told him and and, and basically showed him and declared to him, you've sinned greatly, David. What you've done, this process that you thought you could just get out of it, this process you thought you, you could just lie and lie and lie and get yourself out of it. God sees it, God knows it. And Psalm 51 is a response to when David found himself broken, when David found himself at the lowest of lows. Right now, the thing is, right, you might say, yeah, but John, and I mean, yeah, I, I get the fact of, you know, this, this psalm, but I mean, I mean, David, like, he, like, committed adultery, cheated, I mean, had that dude killed and lied, like, those are extreme sins. And I mean, you know, I'm sure this psalm's good and important, but it's, it's just like, you know, I, I've never done nothing like that. I mean, I've never, like, killed anybody or committed adultery. Before we go on, I feel like it's important to point out a, a couple things about sin, because honestly, sin, that, that too is a jaded word, right? Sin is simply you doing what you think is best instead of you doing what is God's best. And this works its way out in so many different ways. Our thoughts, motives, actions, words, all of those ways. So I felt like it was important to bring up a couple things about sin. First, first off, James chapter 2 says, if you've broken one of God's laws, you've broken them all, right? If you've broken one, you've broken them all. Because honestly, what we can do is we can get into this kind of, of like graded sin, graded sin system. We can think, adultery, that's a 10. Whew, that's a 10. Lying, uh, maybe get a 6, a 7. You know, um, you know telling a hurtful, hateful word to Someone, that, 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 that's a two. And really, I think internally, we think that God grades sins. God doesn't grade sins. All sins are equal in God's sight. Now, some sins have different physical consequences. But sin is sin. And if you've broken one, you've broken them all. So, so, so let's be really careful in not getting into this whole grading of sin grading of sin system. Also, too, sin is not just what you do, it's what you don't do, right? Sin isn't just commission, it's also omission, 
right? You might say, well, I haven't hurt anybody, but did you help anybody? Say, you know what? I didn't speak any bad words, but did you speak anything helpful? Did you encourage anybody? You say, I didn't waste my money. I didn't waste it, but did you give any of it? It's not just what you do, it's what you don't do. And here's the thing too, sin also includes your thoughts and motives. It includes the inside. And that's what Jesus got on the Pharisees for. He said, look, you do all the right stuff, but your hearts are far from me. You do everything perfect on the outside, but you do that stuff not because it's in you, but you actually do it to control God. And he said, yo, like, it's not just what you do, it's, which, it's, it's, it's the posture and the condition of your heart as well. But also to know that sin doesn't just break God's law, it breaks God's heart. Sin is ultimately not just breaking rule 75 addendum 4 on God's law book. Sin is ultimately you turning away from your father that loves you, cares for you, and wants the best for you. And that's what you've got to know. Sin is ultimately puts a barrier in your relationship with God. You can actually see this. The first sin, Genesis 3. Adam and Eve sinned against God. And what was broken there? The first thing that was broken was relationship. It was the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. And let me tell you, sin is serious. And, I, and, and the thing is, right, in our culture, I know it's not popular to talk about sin because it's, uh, you know, but it's like it, it, it is so important because sin puts a barrier between you and God. And we can see from this psalm today that the song of repentance will bring you back into restored relationship with God and with your brother. We're going to dive in. Verse number four, David says this here. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So here's the thing. David first off says, look, I realize and I see that I have sinned ultimately, ultimately against God, secondarily against others. But ultimately my sin is against God. We live in a self-centered culture. I say this often. We got self-care, self-help, self-esteem, self-actualization. We created the word selfie. Let me tell you the problem about a selfie-infused, a selfie-generated culture, when you have a, a high view of self, you have a low view of God. If you have a low view of God, you have a low view of sin. If you have a low view of sin, you have a low view of grace. Because here's the thing, how can you be thankful and grateful for God saving you from something that you don't even recognize or see? Let me put it in this way for you too. In our culture, if you have a low view of God or take God away, you take away a standard, which then leads to people think they don't even need to be forgiven. It's crazy how we can actually think, like sometimes within our culture, what I see, it's almost as if God has to repent to us for even having a standard. It's just like, oh, I'm so sorry that I would tell you the best possible way to do relationships is to not have sex until you get married. I'm so sorry, culture. I'm so sorry, culture. The, do you know what? I think the best way to live is to be generous, is to be forgiving. It's almost like the culture we have created is where 
is we're saying to God, you need to repent to us for even having a standard. And I think when, and really I think that the, whenever we get there, we lose the heart of Psalm 51, where David says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And y'all, the Holy, did you know the Holy Spirit can actually be grieved? And let me ask you this, does, does the sin in your life grieve you? Not guilt you, grieve you because there's a big difference between guilt and grieving. Grieving is just like, do you get that feel of just like, man, I got to get rid of this. I got to move on. I need forgiveness. That's what it says in Ephesians 4.30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God that is within you. Right? Here's Here's the thing, right? If it grieves the Holy Spirit, it should grieve you. It should grieve you. And that's what I want to encourage you with. Repentance begins, the song of repentance begins with you seeing and realizing and understanding that ultimately your sin is against God. And because of that, it separates you from him. But that's where the gift of repentance comes in because repentance is the starting point of you saying, I see God, here's your standard. I see it. And now I want to rethink and turn my life to follow you. And the thing is, right, Paul, Paul said this, it is God's kindness, it is his goodness that leads us to a place where we see our folly and we actually say, God, we need you. Secondly, though, verse, uh, in verses 10 and 11, David continues by saying this. He says, God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I think this song of, of, of repentance includes this whenever he says, create in me a clean heart. He, he doesn't say create in them a clean heart. He doesn't blame shift. He's, he's not like, yeah, God, yeah, I know Bathsheba. I slept with her, but man, she should have been out there walking naked. I can't believe she would even bathe outside with no clothes on. That's messed up. Like, creating her a clean heart. You, yeah, God, you need to look at, look at her. But honestly, within this culture, I see very few people saying, God, what's in my life that I need to deal with? Because honestly, what I see is a whole lot of finger pointing instead of, God, look into my life, look into my heart. He says, create in me a clean heart. Not create in them a clean heart. God, create in me a clean heart. And I sincerely believe right now that there are some of you right now watching. You are, you, your relationship, marriage, whatever is, like, you are so done. And, 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 and really what you're praying is, God, change them. Lord, you, you know their sin. Change them. And I sincerely believe today, yes, you can pray that. But don't also forget to pray, God, change me. Maybe the greatest thing you can pray for isn't that God would change them. We say, God, change me. Create in me a clean heart. Help me to see them differently. Maybe you've got relationships at your job, your work, your boss that you are just so done with them and you've been so focused on them, you've actually passed up your heart. 
and, and you've actually passed them up when honestly you need to say, God, instead of change my boss, you God, reap what they sow. You know, you need to say, God, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Maybe your prayer needs to change from God creating them a clean heart to God creating me a clean heart. And what David says here in verse number 11, he says, um, God, do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I feel like David here sees, I see the greatest thing that I, the, the, or, or he's saying the greatest thing I lose from sin is God's presence. He says, God, don't, don't take your presence. I, I need your nearness. I need your spirit. I need you. And here's the thing, right? Does God's presence ever leave you? Absolutely not. Because he said this, I will always be with you even to the very end, okay? But at the same time, he can become distant. You can put barriers there. And that is where David says, God, create me a, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't take your presence from me. I don't know. Uh, about you, but I can get through a whole lot in life if I know I've got God's presence with me. If God is with me, I love Moses early in the Bible, Exodus, he said this, God, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. If your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. And what was he actually saying there? God, if you're not with us, even if we succeed, it doesn't matter if we don't have your presence. The most important thing is God's presence. That's what I want to, and that's what I want to encourage you with is when he says, God, don't take your presence, he sees that if he doesn't repent, if he doesn't sing that song, the greatest thing you, you, you lose is God's presence being with you. What I see, see here is David longs for the presence of God. How much do you long for God's presence? Just to be with him. Right, I've got boys, three of them, they're crazy, insane. We're in quarantine craziness right now, right? But it is crazy how honestly so many times, yeah, there's a lot of times they want something from me, right? They want, hey, can I have Swedish fish? Hey, can I have sweet Sour Patch Kids? Hey, Dad, can I have, can I have, can I have? But then there are so many times where all they want to do is just be in, just be in my presence. They just want to be with me. And those are the times, most of the time, that I long for the most is when they're not asking me and begging me for stuff. But when all they want to do is just be in my presence, held in my arms, sitting on, sitting on my lap and just spending time with me. How much do you long for the presence of God? You need the presence of God more now than ever. Scripture says this, in, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And some of you, you need some joy. You need to get in God's presence. David, though, he finishes this out. In verses 16 and 17, he says this here. He says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh God, David's saying there, God just doesn't want you to do better. He doesn't just want you to do more. Ultimately, he wants your heart. God isn't just interested in your behavior modification. He's not interested in this, okay, just do the right stuff, John. He says, I want heart transformation. He wants you, because the truth is this, if he gets your heart, he gets all 
of you. And that happens when you have a broken and repentant heart, not a broke down heart, right? Because there's a big difference. You might say a broken spirit, like you will not reject a broken, like that that does not mean broken down. That means broken, all right? If you've been in church, you've probably heard of this term, the glory of God, right? Has anyone ever heard that? Maybe you sang about it, right? Or you've been like the glory, glory, you know, glory. We need the glory, glory of God, right? What that word glory actually means within the Bible, it's actually the Hebrew word kabod. And that word there actually means weight, heaviness, presence, thick thickness, right? And some of you, whenever you've been in worship services, you've said things like, man, the presence of God just feels so thick in this place. And really, what you're saying there is you can feel the glory of God, the weight and the presence. And what I believe that David is praying here, whenever he says, got a broken and contrite heart, a repentant heart you will not despise. What he's saying here is not a broke down heart, but a broken and crushed spirit that is crushed by the weight, presence, heaviness of God and his spirit that honestly breaks you. It breaks your pride. It breaks your self-sufficiency. It breaks the barriers, the walls you have put up. It, it breaks you clinging to worthless idols and false affiliations with outward expressions that we think give us inward validation. If you've been here, you know what this is. It is the power of God. It is the presence of God, the glory of God, the weight of God. Really, when God crushes you, when God breaks you, you come to the end of yourself. And really, I think if there is something that COVID-19 has done, if where we find ourselves in right now, it has brought us to the end of ourselves, to the end of our strength, our glory, and brought us to a place where we're finally at the end of ourselves, God can now possibly fit in. With this pandemic, I think we focus too much on what we've lost. Can we actually see what we could possibly gain through it? Could we actually see we might've lost sports we might have lost money. We might have lost, you know, kids' sports. We might have lost school. We might have lost all of these things. But could it be our focus should shift to say, what can we now gain from this newfound time, from this newfound lifestyles we have? And could it be what we can gain is the presence of God crushing us so we can be broken down before him? And we can have a, a repentant heart that says, God, I'm going to rethink, let you in and, and turn. And you can see this is what David did here. He got to this point where he said, God, I'm going to give you not just actions, not just more good works, just do more. I'm going to give you what you desire the most. And that is my heart and my spirit, my, my motives, my actions. I'm giving them to you. One thing. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. 
If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.